We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I am Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And we've got training camp. We've got news. We've got contracts and all sorts of fun stuff to talk about on today's show. Chris, uh, I'm having a pretty easy time beating the heat lately, honestly. Um it's been very pleasant outside. Yeah, it, it, I was. I went golfing this weekend or this last weekend for the first time. Yeah, so we need to hear the golfing story because it's your first one. Yeah. Quick synopsis: How'd you play? Uh, well, but real quick, the reason I brought it up to begin with is, uh, it was it was warm, like it was definitely hot out, but it wasn't like unbearable when I was when I was out golfing in the afternoon. So okay. Uh, 
I I think I I think I explained on the show that I wasn't going to keep score my first round because that would have just discouraged me beyond belief. And uh, I was going to instead keep track of shots that I liked. I was hoping to hit three or five shots that I could just take with me as like, okay, those were good. I wanted to hit one fairway off the tee. I hit three, um, which was uh, which was better than I expected. I hit a couple of chips onto the green from like 50 plus out. What kind of which, distance which are we talking good? about on off the tee? Because that's the only thing that matters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I promise I don't uh, hit it as long as you do. Uh, but my my best drive of the day... Uh, was a par four right down the middle. I hit it 246. Oh, uh, that's good. To my, according to my buddy's little app thing. That's really good. So, For your first time? Yeah, it was It was definitely like when I hit it, it was like, oh, that's what a swing's supposed to feel like. Right. Um, And yeah, so that one felt good. Like I said, I got a couple of chips onto the green from 50 plus yards out. I also sailed a few chips way over the green. <laughs> too much but, power, huh? Yeah, way too. Yeah, the, the touch is the hardest part, but... Yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit discouraging there for a while because I went like four or five holes in a row where it was just like I, I hit, I did nothing good, and then and then the the good shots started kind of coming one or two per hole, and I ended up hitting like seven that that I was really like proud of. Nice. So uh, went better than I expected. I'm gonna go to the range again this weekend now that I know a little bit more what exactly I need to kind of work on, and uh, and I'm gonna continue golfing. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, to eventually playing with you. Really, like the only hobby that has actually improved during quarantine has been my golf game. And I've been playing like once a week at least, um, going to the driving range too. And it's just the, the only thing that's keeping me sane, I think, at the moment, aside from podcasting with you, of course. Yeah, same same here, man. <laughs> it's uh, It started to be part of the Saturday routine. I go down, I go to the farmer's market, mask on, of course, socially distancing. And I go down to the farmer's market and I support local businesses there with uh, with my groceries. And then I uh, drop them off at my folks' house and my dad and I go to the driving range. It's great. Nice. And then I I don't leave my groceries in my folks' house. I pick them up and bring them home. That's okay. the next day. Anyways, let's talk about the 49ers. We've yeah, got, lots of 49ers uh, stuff. John Lynch went on the radio and spilled all the beans. Yeah, he definitely went on a radio station for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Your radio station. No, no. Uh, wait, I'll tell you about that later. Um, okay. So we have a John Lynch interview. We have a John Lynch contract extension. We have a Raheem Mostert contract extension. Not extension. A contract reworking. His uh, The length of his deal is going to stay exactly the same. So let's before we dive into the John Lynch kind of uh, interview and, and contract and stuff, Raheem Mostert. Uh, reworked his deal to something uh, that that is more satisfying to him and his agent, Brett Tesler. It didn't add any years to the deal, but it basically uh, the 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 big the big portion of it is he has a bunch of incentives that could take him up over five million, which if he hits those incentives would make him the highest paid running back on the team. Yeah, and I think you and I both mentioned it when. Raheem initially made his trade demand through his agent uh, earlier this month that he probably wasn't going to get a trade and that ultimately they were probably just going to guarantee more money in his contract and maybe provide some incentives. And that's what they did. And it was probably the right thing to do. Um, John Lynch basically said that he was not happy. He said, quote, my reaction is what the heck are you doing? Come on now. Um, which is an interesting admission by by John Lynch in that I, interview he did. 
I, for, um, and then Lynch said worth, that's that was everybody's reaction i think right and then lynch said but cooler heads had to prevail we and we had to understand raheem's a very important player to our team and the way he came on last year was a huge reason as to why we were in the super bowl and our team success we believe in rewarding our players that play well and do well so basically i i think it probably would have gotten to this point regardless of of the trade demand um but i it it's a it's probably the expected outcome right he doesn't get a massive raise it's not like an entirely new contract he just has an opportunity now to make about five million dollars instead of you know 2.8 or whatever it was so for you know for somebody like Raheem Mostert I think that's that's really significant and it was probably the right thing to do for the 49ers all things considered yeah it 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 felt like this was going to be the the resolution at some point and the 49ers like as we're going to talk about here in a little bit, the 49ers have kind of been waiting to see what the salary cap situation was going to look like in 2021 and beyond before they started, I think, moving money around and dishing out new contracts. And the trade demand by Raheem Mostert always felt like premature and a little strange and didn't sound like the market was was very hot for a 28-year-old running back with 170 career carries. And it just, it, the, the resolution was, I, I think they got from A to B in a much more roundabout way than, than I think they, they were expecting to when, when negotiations started. Which is very typical of 2020. It, I, dude, spot on. <laughs> Everything is, <laughs> we're doing ev- all the same things in a roundabout way. <laughs> we're, getting, um, we're getting from A to B. We're just not following our GPS. Right. Um, because so, our GPS might be lying and a hoax. So John Lynch also got an extension uh, today. Yeah, yeah. We're recording this Wednesday this week. Um, it's pretty significant news. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about it. So so the details are still mostly unknown. But Lynch basically said, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan, of course, got the extension. He got six years through 2025 earlier this offseason. That deal reported reportedly made him one of the high, five highest paid coaches in the league. Um, and then when that happened, everybody asked, well, what about John Lynch? And and the plan for Jed York apparently has always been to extend both of them this offseason. What's interesting about Lynch's deal that was, that, uh, was reported today and, um, and confirmed today that it's a five-year deal through 2024. So for whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan got a year longer on the deal. I, I'm unclear as to the reasons why, but I'm trying to figure that out. Um, and John Lynch said something interesting in that radio interview too. He mentioned that he came in at a high number in 2017 in terms of average salary for a general (laughs) manager. Um, and so getting this new deal, ultimately it's a, uh, what a three-year extension. It's a five-year contract, but a three-year extension, right? Um, Can, can we, can we real quick, yeah. Can we acknowledge that in that interview on the radio, John Lynch basically said they had to make me a top five paid GM to pull me away from the money I was making at Fox. <laughs> yeah. Which is a which is a like really I think something that everybody could speculate, but I don't think anyone ever really says that. Like John Gruden didn't say, Yeah, the Raiders needed to pay me ten mil because I was making bank at ESPN. Well, I wonder too just if kind of some saying of that... the quiet part out loud. I, well, it was a six-year contract, right? So if it's a six-year deal, naturally it's going to be significantly bigger in terms of overall money compared to other GMs. So I, I'm curious because we always talk about players like what they make yearly. 
I'm curious as to what the entirety of the deal looks like now compared to what it was. And if people were talking about Lynch's contract being a big one because it was six years um, as opposed to, you know, a three or four year deal that he could have signed. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because uh, apparently the re- one of the reasons why and I, I this is a rumor, but one of the reasons that Lynch went um, later than Shanahan was because the GM market had to reset a little bit. Uh, and so they that Lynch was going to get slotted in according to, you know, where the market was um, a few months down the line. And I don't know all the extenuating factors that went into that thinking, but um, that's part of it. So I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about this other than the fact that the 49ers have stability with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch through at least 2024. Yeah. That's good news for them. Right. Yeah. And it just, it it just kind of continues the, the theme of, Jed York and the organization making sure they don't have the same missteps they had in the Jim Harbaugh, Trent Baalke era that kind of led to their uh, demise. So it I couldn't think, be any more different right now. Yeah, it's it's as if Jed York wrote down everything that happened between 2011 and 2014 and is just doing the exact opposite of all of those things. And right. they wanted a harmonious relationship between the the head coach and the GM. And according to Lynch, Jed York came to them after the season and said, hey, I'm going to take care of you guys. We're going to get this done. And I think doing that and then making sure that everybody's kind of on equal footing, uh, not, not equal footing pay-wise because head coaches make more than GMs, but just on equal footing contract wise, like nobody's getting preferential treatment in their contract extensions. It just feels like if the goal was, I don't want to say they're doing everything right because you don't know what the future holds, but if the goal was to do the opposite of what happened uh, in the early to middle part of last decade, the, then York has done everything right to this point. Yeah. And, and, and I think, agrees. I, I think probably the biggest thing I, I take away from the current 49ers regime right now is that, yeah, they're winning, and winning's obviously the most important thing, but I think the 49ers are a destination now more than they were in the past, like yes. particularly under the, the Jim Harbaugh regime. Like, And I say that because you got guys like Trent Williams wanting to come here. Um, right. Richard Sherman coming here adds a whole lot of credibility to just the rest of the players to say, oh, Sherm went there? Like, they must have a good thing going because Sherm wouldn't go somewhere uh, where, you know, the, where things are bad. And, and Sherman came over to a team that finished six and 10 and just signed its quarterback and, and, you know, but Sherman believed in all of that stuff. So, you know, Emmanuel Sanders coming in and, and by all accounts, having a really good experience with the 49ers and wanting to come back, but getting more money with new Orleans, like all of these veterans coming to the, or wanting to come to the 49ers and why, like, the 49ers, one of the reasons why the 49ers are mentioned in basically every single major trade rumor, and we'll, and we'll talk about Jamal Adams a little bit later, but they're, they're a destination now. And so yeah. it's not only are they winning, they're a destination. People want to come here and they have this magnetic effect throughout the rest of the league now. Um, and, and I think that's notable. And to me, that indicates that this is going to, that this is going to stick for the long, the long term, because I don't know that like, when Trent Baalke was running the 49ers and even Jim Harbaugh was here that the 49ers were necessarily a destination because sure. we know how miserable some of the players were 
late in in the Harbaugh years and ultimately like seeing how many people retired after that 2014 season yeah. when Harbaugh left I think is pretty telling as to how how just how much of a grinder Harbaugh is and you don't get that feeling from from Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch like they want to win and they're going to do everything they can to win but they're also going to do it in a way that players enjoy playing for them. So yeah, and that's I, that's that's something you hear all the time. Like former players who are analysts now always say that about Kyle Shanahan. Like I would love to play for that guy. Right. And I think that's the kind of culture that the Niners wanted to cultivate and they they've done that. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do you have one more thing on that? No, I'm good on that. I was going to okay. I was going to transition, but you're yeah. the host. Yeah, let's uh, let's do you want to do you want to jump right to the Jamal Adams stuff since it, it fits in with this? It's not sure. first on our rundown here, so we're gonna we're gonna mess around with that a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's let's start with with the Jamal Adams thing because I think it ties in nicely to the Niners being a destination. Jamal Adams got traded this week to the Seahawks. The Seahawks gave up two first round picks, a third round pick, uh, a first round pick in twenty twenty one, a third round pick in twenty twenty one, and a first round pick in twenty twenty two. They also traded away starting safety Bradley McDougald and the Jets gave up Jamal Adams as well as a 2022 fourth round pick. Adams was the 49ers were one of the teams that Adams had on his his list of preferred destinations, according to Adam Schefter. And that's something that John Lynch talked about uh, in his radio interview was that while the 49ers weren't involved uh, he he enjoyed the fact that uh, Jamal Adams wanted to be in the Bay Area. Yeah, and it was also floated by a ESPN report that said, you know, once the trade was made, that the 49ers were one of the teams interested. And John Lynch came out this week and told Matt Mayoko that that was false, and that was the day before he did the interview. Um, let's talk about what Lynch said, and then we could dive yeah. into the reasons why. Um, that Adam Singh just doesn't make sense for them. But what, what Lynch said, speaking to this point, he's like, I love it in terms of, you know, the, the fact that uh, Adams was rumored to the 49ers. He said, it seems like it seems to be that every guy that's up for a trade that we're involved. I love that people talk about the Niners and quote. So, yeah, like the, all this destination stuff we're talking about. And then he said with Jamal, you saw the trade capital that, that they had to give up, which the Seahawks, they made that decision. You also got to pay the man. So that's one of the reasons he's not in New York. So being up there against it in terms of the salary cap with what's happening uh, in the cap due to the pandemic, it just wasn't really a reality for us. So um, I think the 49ers absolutely kicked around the idea internally uh, of, you know, Jamal Adams. When a player like that is available, um, you have to at least consider it. And I'm sure part of that due diligence process was trying to figure out what the Jets were looking for in terms of a trade package. So if the 49ers are doing their due diligence and some people could look at that and say the 49ers are in on it or another person could look at it and say the 49ers are doing their due diligence as they would if any player hit the market. Um, Lynch did say that he thinks Jamal Adams is a tremendous player and that he talked about it with Kyle Shanahan and then they didn't go down the road like and seeing what the Seahawks traded to the Jets indicates to me that the 49ers weren't ever really serious. If that's what the Seahawks wound up get, giving up because the 49ers are not in a position to give up two first round picks for a safety. Um, and Jamal Adams might be one of the best defensive players in the league and he might win 
you know, multiple defensive players, player of the year uh, awards while he's there in Seattle. I think he is that good. But if you're a team like the 49ers who potentially down the road is looking at a scenario where you have to find a replacement for your left tackle impending free agent, Trent Williams, um, Mm -hmm. cornerback, because Richard Sherman is on the last year of his contract. Uh, and you know, whatever else, if you need a pass rusher, because you need to get rid of D Ford because of salary cap concerns, it doesn't make any sense when in a pandemic with the cap shrinking some $40 million, which we've talked about a lot too, to trade away all that draft capital and take away your flexibility because the teams that do do that are basically in the Rams position where they have a really top heavy roster, a lot of money going to a few guys. And then you wonder how they're going to rebuild their foundation going forward because they basically went all in on a handful of dudes to contend for what, two years. And now everybody looks, nobody looks at the Rams and says, Oh, they're an NFC power. They see a really top heavy roster. That's super flawed. Um, the 49ers have a very strong roster that's not flawed because they've been drafting at areas of need. And you can't do that when you give away all your valuable draft picks can I, in a trade for Jamal Adams. Can I cut to the core of this? Yes. We were right. We're always right. I don't want to say always. We're right a lot. <laughs> About no, these but, trades, but no, but, we're but, right. No, right. Because go go back and, and read anything Chris wrote, anything I wrote, or you can listen to our podcast where we talked about Jamal Adams. It every every reason that that was laid out, and it wasn't just Chris and I. It was it was it was a lot of people uh, with that that follow and cover the team, kind of laying out these reasons. And now John Lynch has come out and just said it out loud. Right. Like here are all the things. It was salary cap. It was uh, draft picks. It was it just it wasn't. I believe you put it in the team's ethos to make a move like that. And I think that's I think that's right. And John Lynch basically came out and confirmed that. The only time the 49ers have been willing to trade multiple first round picks that has been reported about and that John Lynch has acknowledged publicly. And he's he's very open, especially in comparison to other NFL executives. He's very open in terms of you asking them questions about their process from years ago. Right. Or in the past, like things that have already happened. He will talk about that stuff. Um, It might not always be on the record, but he will talk about it. Um, In terms of what we know about the 49ers and they're trying to acquire guys, the only player that it is known that they were willing to give up multiple first round draft pick draft picks for was Khalil Mack. And that was when John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan first got there before they wound up needing the uh, getting the number two pick and using it on Nick Bosa. So that's how much they valued that position. And of John course, Lynch they traded compared the second importance. One. John Lynch compared it to a quarterback, the importance of a of a game wrecking pass rusher. Yeah, yeah, and and they doubled out on it because they spent a second round pick on D Ford, um, and they also used a second round pick on Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they're the two most important positions to the 49ers on offense, quarterback, uh, in defense, and pass rusher. Like that's where the 49ers traded second round picks. So like if they're gonna do multiple first round picks for one player that dude better solve all of their problems and i don't think jamal adams solves the 49ers problems i think he just probably makes them a little bit better but i don't know that they're necessarily a better team i I mean i know they're not a better team going forward if they end up giving up those draft picks and then spending 18 million dollars a year on jamal adams it was not it was not going to make them enough of a super bowl favorite in 2020 to justify 
how much worse it would have made them in the long run. Yeah. Totally. And I, I think that, and they're not, and, and this year I, I understand the desire to have, uh, especially for, for fans, like, like, trust me, I, I totally understand like the desire to have all the best players on your favorite team, but the 49ers aren't going to win or lose a Super Bowl this year based on their strong safety play. I, I just, I, I, right. I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I don't think Jamal Adams was going to be the kind of player that was, like I said, going to take them to a level that they're, that they're not already capable of achieving. There are very few strong safeties making big money in the NFL right now. Like big money. Yeah. And Jamal Adams is about to make 15 mil plus. At least. So it's, yeah, it just, uh, I think if I were to predict it, they're either going to re-sign Jaquaski Tart after this year to a, a uh, pretty modest deal for a veteran of his standards or um, let Tart walk, take a comp pick for him in uh, 2022, I guess, and then uh, draft a safety in, you know, round two or three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's probably how that winds up working out. If Another- ima- Okay. Imagine getting a player that is 70% of Jamal Adams that like, would, would you say Jaquaski Tart is 70% of Jamal Adams? Yeah, pro- yeah, probably something like that. Jaquaski Tart was a second round pick, right? If you mm-hmm. can get 70% of Jamal Adams for a second or third round pick, which happens in the league pretty frequently at strong safety, I feel like that's better than getting 100% of Jamal Adams at the cost of two firsts and a third. Right. Okay. Yeah, I that's think it. that's... I, Let's I, take I, a break. Hey, Kyle. Come on. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? Boy, have I. Yeah, it's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts just after 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, Everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Just go to DealDash.com and use the offer code CANDLESTICK. Again, D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H.com, offer code CANDLESTICK. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off. And there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return to sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, a uh, Ohio State alum, Harold Reynolds, a seven time <laughs> NBA champ, Rob, and seven time NBA champ, Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Can I really quick finish up the, the point on safeties because I did some quick research? Sure. Of Pro Football Focus's top six i think i did one two three four five six graded safeties last year jamal adams was the number six overall pick harrison smith 
was the 29th overall pick. Anthony Harris was an undrafted free agent. Justin Simmons for Denver was a third round pick. Adrian Phillips for the Chargers was an undrafted free agent. And Marcus Williams for the Saints was a second round pick. So are safeties and running backs the same? Basically. Okay. Safeties, the running back of the defense. (laughs) It's Uh, not a terrible, (laughs) that's not a terrible take. (laughs) The, The other contract situation looming over the 49ers, and I think one of the reasons they did not go out and try and acquire Jamal Adams was, is George Kittle's looming contract extension that John Lynch also addressed in his interview on Bay Area Radio. And again, he confirmed something that we've speculated about. He didn't give a timetable on on when a deal will get done. He did say that he's he's optimistic they want to get a deal done. Kittle's checking all the boxes of what they want in a, in a 49er, and he's showing up to camp and he's doing all the right things. But basically, the thing that stuck out to me, Chris, was that he just confirmed, like, hey, we're in a pandemic. It's going to affect the salary cap. And we wanted to wait and see what the cap was going to look like before we started dishing out, you know, uh, market changing deals for a tight end. And it was really the only responsible thing to do, right? Like when you're pushed up against it, like the 49ers are, um, you know, they have multiple big contracts. Like the difference is with the Chiefs is Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and, and maybe some other guys, but. They didn't have the Chiefs don't have a ton of big contract dudes, uh, which allowed for them to have a lot of foresight when it came to structuring Patrick Mahomes extension and his contract and the fact that his cap number isn't changing significantly over the next couple of years. Um, so the 49ers, given that they're potentially going to have to pay Trent Williams, given that all of their starting cornerbacks are essentially unsigned beyond this upcoming season. Um, given that you have to give Fred Warner a new contract at some point, which might be at or near the top of the market for for linebackers. And then Joey Bosa signs a $135 million contract with the Chargers over five years, um, which would indicate that maybe Nick Bosa a few years down the line is going to be getting a contract somewhere in the $200 million range. So you have all of these things, if you're the 49ers, that you have to consider And it doesn't make any sense to just blindly pay George Kittle because you want to pay George Kittle when honestly, it doesn't matter when you pay him. You could, you know, like I shouldn't say that there's no difference between paying him in May and paying him in August. Right. So Mm -hmm. like to me, it's the smart thing to do. See what the financial future is going to be. Um, and they have that now. And instead of 215 or 220 million in cap room in, in entire cap spending for next season, that number is going to baseline at 175. So if it's at 175, which again is the baseline, the 49ers have about $4 million in cap room uh, for the 2021 season. And I mentioned Trent Williams, Richard Sherman and Kittle are all unsigned and you only have 4 million in space. So, these are the decisions that require a whole lot of information. And until last weekend, when they agreed that the cap would be no lower than 175, the 49ers simply didn't have that information. So now they have it. And now is really the time that I think 
um, you can start evaluating these conversations, right? Yeah. Like when you, when they know what the financial situation is going to look like and you hear things from people like Ian Rappaport, who on NFL Network reported today that the two sides are not particularly close. Um, now it's worth paying attention to. I didn't think it was yeah. worth paying attention to before because of the pandemic and all the uncertainty once you realize there probably aren't going to be fans in the stand. Um, but now is a time to start evaluating, you know, what's being leaked out, what what the messaging could be, um, who's saying what behind the scenes, all of those things. Now it's really interesting. And I, I didn't think I didn't think that was true before. Yeah, I think I, I think there's so much up in the air, too, with. With a player like D Ford, who has a contract that the 49ers can pretty easily get out of this year or after after this year. But if he has a monster season uh, and, and all of a sudden has some trade value, like the, the 49ers might want to wait and see. Right. Like what 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 does D Ford's status with the team look like next year before uh, handing out and, and maybe with Kittle, maybe they've settled on a number, but there there's a structure issue that that they're looking at. Um, well, here's the thing, too. Yeah. Please save me because what, I, don't, I don't know exactly where I was going with that. How much how much does having Trent Williams as your left tackle enhance your chance at winning the Super Bowl? Like hmm. Trent Williams, one of the best tackles in the NFL. At left tackles, one of the most expensive positions on the field, it's most of the time it's the second most posi- expensive position on offense. Mm-hmm. Laramie Tunzel just got $22 million a year from Houston. Like yeah. Trent Williams cheap. is, is gonna, the market for Trent Williams, if he plays as he has, when he's been on the field, he's going to make at least 18 to $20 million a year, or at least that's what he's going to be worth. So if you're the 49ers, do you say, all right, we really got to hunker down and figure out how we can pay Trent Williams through these next few seasons and George Kittle, because we know the only way to win a Super Bowl is to keep your quarterback upright, which is what the Chiefs did really well, by the yeah. way. Um, so these are things they have to consider because Trent Williams is a whole hell of a lot better than a rookie or right. possibly even another free agent option. And, and a rookie that the 49ers aren't going to be drafting until like, you know, worst case scenario sometime in the 20s. Right. It's extremely hard to find an all pro tackle in late in the first round of the draft. So the Trent Williams thing, I, I think that's the biggest reason why the Kittle thing might, might not go swiftly because I think the 49ers, like they want to make Kittle the highest paid tight end in league history. I I think there's no doubt about that. I think they'd have no problem giving him 13, $14 million. Sure. Kittle has every right to ask for 16, $17 million. And yeah. all of this stuff matters when you're trying to bring in, bring back somebody like Trent Williams, when you could potentially only have 4 million in space to, to maneuver with these two guys. And, and like D Ford, you know, D Ford, Quan Alexander, Weston Richburg, these might be contracts that you could just completely get rid of. And it simplifies the situation. And that's, that's honestly probably what it's going to be, but you still have to like, you still have to be very judicious when you have so many good players to pay and other players down the pipeline when it comes to giving out these contracts. 
Right. And that's right. That's there's a long term thinking that's going into this. And it's easy to throw a hashtag on Twitter and say, pay George Kittle and wonder why they haven't yet. Right. But I, I, I promise it's not. I can't promise because I'm not in the room, but I'm willing to bet a significant amount of money that it's not a matter of like, God, don't know if we want to pay him. I, I don't I don't think that's that's it at all. I don't think they're far apart because Kittle wants to get paid and the 49ers don't want to pay him. I, I think there's just a long-term aspect to this where the Niners can't just throw out, you know, X amount per year and, and all this guaranteed money without knowing um, without knowing what they're going to do uh, with with the rest of their roster. So, right. I I agree with you that while it's worth paying attention when somebody like Ian Rappaport says they're still far apart on a deal, the fact that Kittle is showing up to camp and I mean, he hasn't been on, they haven't done a practice yet. He hasn't like put pads on and been on the field, which will be another test. But the fact he showed up, the fact that it doesn't seem like he's going to hold out based on everything he's said and done over the off season. I, I'm optimistic that, there's a there's a new contract coming for George Kittle sometime in the relatively near future. So for me, I think uh, the if there's a deadline that we want to set on this to where it might get hairy if it's not done by this point, I think it's August 12th um, because okay. that's when unpadded practices are set to begin. So um, Kittle will be in the building. Kittle showing up is a big step in terms of like the 49ers as long as I've been covering the team and I, and I understand this is obviously um, there have been multiple regimes in place, but Mm -hmm. they typically don't love negotiating with players who are holding out. Um, And I know Robbie gold did it last year, uh, but like they would, they would use it against George Kittle as a leverage point, in my opinion, if Kittle was holding out. So the fact that he's there, I think is positive. Like, look, George Kittle loves being with the 49ers and Niners obviously love George Kittle. Um, Just negotiations sometimes take time. But I I think if there's a date, it's August 12th because that's when we could see Kittle just not on the practice field and doing everything else, but participating in actual football practice just to ensure that he's keeping himself healthy and also putting a little heat on the 49ers. Another thing that John Lynch talked about in his interview was Debo Samuel. And I, I don't want to say he gave an update on, on Samuel's injured foot, but he just clarified that the timeline, that 12 to 16 week timeline that was initially reported is, is accurate. He said, uh, unfortunately, it's just a freak deal where he went to make a cut and had a Jones fracture in his foot, so that was a blow. But I think you always try to be optimistic. The good news is it happened when it happened, so we might be without him a little bit at the beginning of the season. Yes, that timeline, sometimes these things heal at a different rate. They continue to monitor it. Debo went on Instagram right after the injury and said he was going to be back in 10 weeks. Uh, it feels like a lot of uh, a lot of people tried to stay optimistic and run with that, and I understand why... Samuel would say that and be optimistic that he's that he's going to be back. But given how conservative the 49ers training staff is, 
and give him what John Lynch said here, not like, oh, hey, he's doing great, and we think we'll have him back for the start of the year. The fact that he used such cautious language to me says that that Samuel is going to miss at, at least a couple of games, I imagine. So one of the important lessons I've learned while covering the team is that players are often the worst source when it comes to their own injuries. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Not doctors, except for... I've, like on Fridays before games, I've asked guys dealing with injuries who are questionable, like if they'll play and then they tell me they'll play and I'll be like, Oh, you know, I'll throw this in my notebook that so-and-so says he's playing and then he doesn't play. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, uh, I've learned that lesson the hard way. And, uh, so, you know, not that I'm doubting the, the idea of, of Debo being back in 10 weeks, but you know, like Debo saying, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how the 49ers training staff or the 49ers front office feel about the situation. Because even if Debo thinks he can play week one, the 49ers might say, well, we're not going to play you till week four uh, because we want to give you more time to heal and make sure that this thing isn't going to re-break. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it would hurt. But ultimately, like even if Debo starts on an injured list, um, Pup or NFI, I think he's on Pup, mm-hmm. then – you know, six weeks is not the worst thing. You get Debo Samuel completely healthy for the final 10 games and potentially a playoff run. Um, I The offense would, would hurt in a significant way without him, but you still have Kendrick Bourne and Dante Pettis and Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor and Brandon Ayuk. Um, so you still have a lot of guys, potentially Travis Benjamin, who could play. You just don't know if any of them are good. But I, I don't think it murders the 49ers season if Debo Samuel starts on an injured list and I, I kind of think fans should prepare for it just in case. Yeah. Um, because I think the 49ers know how good Debo is, how valuable he is to their offense. And they say, if holding him out the first six games guarantees that his foot isn't going to break, um, then we're going to go that route. And and you can't make right. any guarantees obviously, but that that's a decision that the doctors are going to have to make. But um yeah, the Samuel missing time early in the season was always very much a reality, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. uh, it sounds like John Lynch is is feeling the same way. I also want to add that if Debo Samuel does miss the first, let's call it six games, I don't foresee the 49ers going and doing something crazy at receiver. I think they're pretty high on Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd. And if Dante Pettis can bounce back, uh, they drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round. They have Kendrick Bourne, who's who's turned into a reliable option. They still have George Kittle. They're going to run the hell out of the ball. I just, if they if they go make an addition at receiver, uh, they also signed Travis Benjamin this offseason. If they're going to make an addition at receiver, it'll probably be somebody like Taylor Gabriel or like Justin Hardy, who have experience in Shanahan's offense and who can kind of step into a role right away. I don't see him going out and making some crazy splash to to fill in for Debo for six games. No, I agree. Um, John Lynch had a pretty interesting nugget on Jalen Hurd, not a nugget, but a quote. Mm-hmm. And I know like GMs fluff up a lot of their guys a lot, but I don't think the word, the word special isn't thrown around like a ton, or at least like the smart people, yeah. the smart GMs don't throw it around a ton. Um, John Lynch called, Jalen Hurd's 14 days of practice last offseason before his back sur- his back injury. He called that he said those 14 days were really special. So 
and hmm. you you can hear it and be like, oh, he's just pumping up his guy or whatever. I don't think he would like John Lynch. I don't think he would say that to me. That sounds like high praise. Like, I don't think he's just saying it just to say it. And I was there. Like I saw Jalen Hurd have some pretty great practices. I didn't call it really. I, you know, I, I'm afraid to call it really special. Well, because, you're a football expert. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> he did some really good things um, on a few of the practices in particular, but it was just, it was notable. Like the fact he said, Jalen Hurd's really special. It was notable. And I do think Jalen Hurd has a ton of upside, but just a back injury for me, it's still, it's still way, way too much to to assume that everything's going to be fine and, and he's going to be really good. I know 49er fans are very interested in Jalen Hurd. I am too, but... Um, well, understandably, like because his ceiling is this three-position dynamo that scores touchdowns from anywhere on the field and lines up at all these different spots, like, I, I the allure like athletically, is, is there for sure. Athletically, like, he's not all that dissimilar from George Kittle. Right. Like, Check Kittle's got 20 right. pounds on him now, but, like, tall in terms of, you know, you could potentially, you could, I'm very intrigued at the idea of using Jalen Hurd in the same way the 49ers use George Kittle and what that could yeah. potentially do for the offense. Yeah. It's, there's, there's a version of the 49ers offense with Jalen Hurd and George Kittle lining up in like two tight end sets where uh, just kind of wreaks havoc on defenses. And that's really fun to think about because Kyle Shanahan's offense as it is, is super entertaining to watch, but having like a George Kittle, another George Kittle type as a, as a pass catcher specifically is, um, is, is what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, enticing. Have I already intriguing? said that? I feel like I'm uh, intriguing. Is that a good word? Yeah. It's really, it's just, it's, it's fun to think about, frankly. Some it's, people on the internet would say mouthwatering. Oh, that's a good, that's which a is good, kind of a weird thing, but somebody would say it. A, I wouldn't say mouthwatering. It's <laughs> very odd, but no, it's, it's definitely intriguing is a good word for it. It's, it's, about, it's intriguing. It's fun to think about. I'm just going to so, keep working through this word until you say something. What's reasonable uh, to expect from Brandon 27 Knight? touchdowns. Oh, <laughs> we were talking about Jalen Hurd. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, so my my thing I've been going with and that I think I'm going to stick to is if the 49ers get a version of Debo Samuel's rookie season, I don't think Ayuk will match Samuel's rookie season like yard for yard because Debo had more all-purpose yards than any rookie receiver in 49ers history, including Jerry Rice. So I don't want to I don't want to put that ceiling on Ayuk with with no off season really, and he's gonna have what like a month long training camp, and then he's gonna be thrown into NFL action. But I do think we see him used a lot like Debo was early in the year with a lot of just screens and jet sweeps and just trying to kind of get him in space and let his explosiveness take over, and then maybe his role gets stretched out a little bit more toward the end of the year. But Debo came on really strong starting in week 10 when George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders were both out. Um, or I guess Emmanuel Sanders played against the Seahawks, but he was he was really banged up and, and didn't contribute He was knocked much. out early in that game, I think. Yeah, so I, I, I think that Ayuk maybe takes off a little bit later in the year if he's going to do that. Um, so I, I think some form of 
Debo Samuel's rookie season, but just less productive. So there's like, like he gets used in a lot of the same ways. There, there's an avenue where Brandon IU could face a lot of parallels to Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. In that you mentioned starting out with bubble screens and reverses, just getting him in the flow of the offense. That could absolutely happen. And then getting Debo Samuel back whenever he does come back, say it's six weeks, which is just about the same time the 49ers got Emmanuel Sanders last year, then Debo's the new Emmanuel Sanders and Ayuk is rookie year Debo. And then you you're in a pretty good spot from a receiver standpoint. That's like the pie in the sky scenario. That's probably the best case scenario. Is that the best case scenario for Brandon Ayuk? Is Debo Samuel? Debo. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Could, Could he be better? Dude, no, I, no? I would okay. be, I would be flabbergasted. If I he would was be there. too. Like Debo was really good last year. Maybe, maybe we see him. Maybe he's not as adept at, at the jet sweeps. I think he's going to be plenty explosive for them. But there's a there's a skill and a vision to that 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 matters. Right. And a decisiveness as a runner. And Debo does a really good job of when he finds a corner, he goes. And if you delay even a half second that that 30 yard gain turns into nothing. So I don't know if Ayuk is going to be as good at that. He didn't run much in college. But if if he is and he can contribute like that and if the Niners are going to be banged up at receiver all year and he winds up playing a ton of snaps, then then maybe, but if if can I say something real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kyle Shanahan's not like a hyperbolic person and he told Chris Sims that he thought Brandon Ayuk was the next Isaac Bruce. So like maybe Man. he's wrong. Like there's pro, you know a reasonable chance he's wrong. Obviously Isaac Bruce is a Hall of Famer, but <laughs> 49ers legend Isaac Bruce. 49ers, yeah. Let, we should do an Isaac Bruce old rush game if there are any. <laughs> um, no, I don't think it goes back. That okay. Far. <laughs> but the fact that Shanahan would say that like Shanahan, a not hyperbolic person would go complete hyperbole on a guy he likes. That's, that's an interesting thought to me because the athleticism and all that stuff is there. Just the question was, well, he only did it for one year and he didn't have a whole lot of production and he was a junior college guy, but like once he gets in the league and, and is working within Kyle Shanahan's offense for a little while, I think I, you could be really, really good. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I, I don't want to put a, a ceiling on Brandon Ayuk. I just, but if he had really... twenty five catches and three hundred yards, that wouldn't be surprising either because he's a rookie receiver in a pandemic year. <laughs> yeah, right. In an offense that's in an offense that's difficult. Um, and, and so I, I understand that he did some work with the Niners receivers and Jimmy Garoppolo, and they had all their online meetings and stuff. But whether that translates on the field. Uh, it's kind of yet to be seen. Like if you told me that he just kind of mirrored Debo Samuel's year production wise, I wouldn't be shocked. I would be a little surprised. But then if you also told me that uh, he mirrored uh, Dante Pettis's rookie year production wise, where he didn't do a lot and then had a really nice stretch of games toward the end of the year, that that wouldn't surprise me either. So yeah, um, I think eventually Brandon Ayuk's going to be really really good. I just I'm I'm uncertain about this year. The truth is somewhere on the gradient, I think. Nice, dude. I think that's uh, it. Inside, inside jokes. Yeah, I, I, I got nothing else. Okay.
Okay, very good. Hey, this has been uh, Candlestick Chronicles. Subscribe, rate, and review if you have not done those things. Don't rate and review if you don't like the pod. Definitely subscribe and, and listen, and you can tweet at us how much you hate us. But don't, like, leave a review. A mean review. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, subscribe, rate, and review however you feel about the podcast. We appreciate everybody who listens, and we will uh, see you guys next time.